and welcome to Ditchfin Vox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiazio. If you like what we're doing at Ditchfin Vox, then please like, share, subscribe, and bring more traffic, and make sure you don't miss an episode. My guest today is Simon Lum, founder and CEO of WeLab, a unicorn fintech based in Hong Kong with banking, payments, and fintech businesses in Hong Kong, mainland China, and Indonesia notably a virtual banking license here in Hong Kong. I spoke with Simon about the trajectory of all these businesses, prospects for Greater Bay Area, connectivity, how he's working with strategic investors, and whether or not Hong Kong's first unicorn will go public. Simon Lung, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome to Digfin Box. Thank you, James. Good to, good to be here. Um, WeLab now has a range of businesses across mainland China, Hong Kong, and Indonesia. You're looking to go into other markets. You've been doing some very successful fundraises uh, with some big partners. Uh, we should maybe begin with Hong Kong, which is our hometown, and the virtual bank uh, license that you won uh, about, so I guess it's about two years ago, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, you're considered one of the, the leading players, I guess, among the eight uh, in terms of, of number of downloads or user base or however people are measuring it. Uh, mm. what, what's the point at which we start to measure virtual banks on more traditional uh, accounting or financial methods that you would use for a, a, an incumbent bank rather than looking at um, things like, uh, you know, how popular is it in App Store or, or, or these sorts of metrics? I think we should start immediately. <laughs> In fact, I think uh, uh, these uh, popularity matrix download, these are more what we call a, a leading indicator for engagement. Uh, but I think uh, eventually it should lead to something, right? Active rate and, and stuff like that. And those eventually should lead to something else, which is, for example, uh, the spending on a card number of transactions um, and or, or loan volume or uh, people using your app. Uh, to invest and do a wide variety of activities. And, and those eventually, hopefully if we do it right, right, should build two things, either a very large engaging base and or, or at the same time, profitability, revenue. I mean, those things should come hand in hand. And those actually eventually will converge back to uh, what a traditional bank, bank measure. But I think the greatest differentiation here is how can you achieve that scale uh, in a very short period of time, let's say in a couple of years, rather yeah. than arriving at a scale uh, by by year tw 20 or 30. Right, I mean, your your competitors, if you look at an HSBC or Standard Chartered, they've been around for 100, you know, 150, 180 years, whatever is the the the, word, the, the numbers they use. Um, how long do you think you've got? Hmm. I think um, I think, I think we, we're playing a slightly different game from HSBC. Um, they what we call universal bank. They have all just different kind of products, retail, SME, corporate banking, investment bank, everything. But I think a digital bank is very, very focused on number one on retail. I mean, that's the number one thing, right? I guess second thing on retail is um, uh, they, they have a very large base of customers and it doesn't mean that people only have one single bank account. Eventually, especially young people, when they open up accounts, young people will prefer a young ac uh, an account from a digital bank, which is a lot easier to open. You never have to open, uh, you never have to go to a branch and, and call anyone. It's a very user-friendly, uh, things just work. You don't have to call someone uh, to waive certain charges and stuff like that. Um, it, is, it fits with your lifestyle. Uh, it's highly engaging. For example, today, our monthly active user rate for WeLab Bank is around 56%. 
So it's usually very, very, very high on a banking scale, right? And we do a wide variety of interesting things uh, with the customers. So that is that is how it's slowly going to build. And and maybe for some of us, we'll treat uh, virtual bank today as a second bank account. You have uh, your original one that you have been using for the last couple of years, and then you have a virtual bank that you find it increasingly more engaging, and you move more and more of your stuff uh, to a virtual bank. For example, I used to um, I used to be from Standard Chartered Bank. I used to use Standard Chartered Bank a lot. Uh, where I use their card, uh, I use it uh, to transfer money to my parents and do a wide variety of things there, right? I've also moved it to WeLab Bank, well, partly because it's my bank, partly because, can, <laughs> partly because it's just so much more fun. You can do everything in an app and the app is just more cool. The card is cooler when you just present your card. Uh, the guy, uh, the, 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 the person at the post uh, would say, oh, hey, this, this is a very cool looking shiny card, right? You feel good about it, right? You never, you never get that with a traditional bank kind of uh, card, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. but that, that's one thing. But, you know, we talked about getting into the hard metrics, um, but, you know, you're, you're still going back to the, the style side of it. Uh, mm -hmm. not, I'm not knocking that. I mean, you know, branding and marketing is important. But, um, but you know, at what point you've launched a, a payment facilitation scheme now. Uh, but I guess if you really want to be serious as a bank, you need to be doing cards, lending, um, you know, credit yeah, yeah, yeah. Type of products. So where, where are you on that journey? Uh, you're right. I mean, uh, those are very, very important because uh, these are fundamental needs, right? Irrespective of the form and shape, fundamental needs are payments, savings, investment, growing your wealth, or manage, save, and grow, right? Um, uh, one of the first things we did was lending. Uh, so originally, we already have WeLand, the largest online lending platform in Hong Kong, um, where one in eight people borrow from WeLand uh, in Hong Kong today, right? And then we've also rolled out the lending proposition for uh, mm -hmm. WeLand Bank. Uh, both propositions working very well, and, and we see that the WeLab Bank lending volume uh, increasing quite uh, drastically. So we also see these uh, uh, comparing with a traditional kind of bank head-to-head, uh, -head, right? I think they grew extremely well. I mean, without disclosing numbers, right, if I compare September this year, 2021, versus September last year, 2020, year-on-year -year growth, the whole WeLab group from WeLand and WeLab Bank and loan volume doubled. We increased twice, two times. Despite of our scale, we can still double year and year. And that is something that I don't think any bank can achieve today, doubling the, 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 the loan volume uh, in, in a matter of 12 months. And we managed to achieve that because of the convenience, because of the stickiness of our customers, because of how well we can design a user proposition fully online. Well, I mean, okay. Also from a much lower base than, uh, you know, you're starting from, you, you know, from down here. Um, but nonetheless, point taken. Uh, and what is the role of the tech stack for, for you and other virtual only institutions? Like, is that a, do you see that as a, a jumpstart where you will be able to catch up quickly with this sort of growth rate that you're describing? Or is it going to be something more fundamental over the long haul? Mm. Uh, I, 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 the tech side is extremely important from a, from a perspective of agility, right? In order to roll out new things, you need to have a very agile tech side, you need to have good tech people. I think that is a, a very strong um, uh, competitive advantage. Now, fundamentally, what is the difference between a tech side of a bank, traditional bank and, and, and digital bank? I think uh, I, I was just, uh, just thinking about it the other day, right? I think there's one very simple and the biggest differentiation is you have to remember a bank, a traditional bank is built as an omni-channel operation. They have branches, they have ATM, they have online, they have mobile, they have all these channels, they have phone banking, they have a bunch of direct sales running around on the streets, right? But digital bank, simplify everything. There's only one channel. It's called digital. In fact, whether it's an app or, 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 or your computer, it's the same. So that actually allows a simpler tech stack 
tech stack, no legacy system. Um, and of course, because we just built it recently rather than using the mainframe like 20 years ago, right? So that is actually a fundamental difference. And that actually with microservices, a lot of the new things that we're doing API, right? Allow us to actually scale very fast and roll our products much faster. If I go back to how I was uh, before this, uh, when I was in banking, how fast we can roll a service today versus when we were working in an incumbent bank. I think traditionally of a bank, if you look at it, uh, I tried to roll something in a, when I was in a bank, it'll probably take you three months to six months to talk to your boss, get approval, and then the tech team start building it and they will go to a Singapore office, go to India office, come back. Back back and forth, I would say around six to nine months, we roll something. In here, I would say three to six months or even less. And right. with, with testing and everything. So you, you drastically speed up the, the speed of execution, which is very important in this dynamic market. Do you think the incumbent banks are learning how to, to do that? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think I think I think one of the benefit of introducing digital bank banks in Hong Kong is um, increase the level of competition. And uh, a case to point, right? The simplest one is as soon as uh, the, 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 as soon as the introduction of digital banks, a lot of incumbent banks come out to say that they waive minimum account fee, they waive inactive fees, and stuff like that, right? And and at the end, consumers benefited from it, which yeah. which is great. Yeah. Now, of course. It, to a deeper level, banks will also, also become faster, more innovative and stuff like that. And you are seeing the same changes happening. Uh, many banks from HSBC, Citi, uh, they all roll out a proposition that is trying to compete with a digital bank uh, on the same level as well. And most of them try to roll it out right before the virtual banks were launched, by the way. Um, yeah. And, 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 and that, 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 is, that is actually the focus. Said, so, okay, maybe there's something there we should we need to build it. This is going to be the pipeline of our future customers. So what's your moat then, Simon? How do you make sure that you remain competitive as the, the, the large incumbents with all the power that they, they have uh, begin to be able to, to emulate what a virtual bank can do in that digital channel? Hmm. It's a very good question. And, and this is something that we have been asking ourselves in WeLa for the last eight years, because I mean, we compete in a massive industries where there are very big players, players that have been around for hundreds of uh, one, 200 years, a lot more people, a lot more money and capital, a lot more trust and brand, bigger brand than we do, right? And, and, and so when we compete, we cannot compete with them by throwing more bodies, more money, and definitely not more time unless you have a time machine, but it has to be with technology and data. That's the only, mm -hmm ability for us to win. So that's why the, the group as a whole focused so much time and effort into building this. Uh, we have a tech development center in mainland China to uh, serve a lot of uh, our needs. Um, there's actually a WeLab building in Shenzhen that has six floors that around four or 600 people uh, that's purely dedicated to tech and operations. Um, and, and we feel that I think that is actually one of the biggest competitive advantage of us versus the traditional bank. Yeah. Maybe this is a good segue into talking about WeLab as a, as a broader entity, you've got, uh, I believe, uh, six or seven different business lines around the region. You've got several in mainland China. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I believe, school me here if I, if I got this wrong, Simon, but I think you guys started off kind of in the P2P space in China back when that was legitimate, uh, when people were innovating in there. Um, how, how has that business evolved? And what were some of the lessons that you got running WeLab in mainland China uh, that you've been able to port back to your experience running a virtual bank? Mm. Uh, uh, just to start with, uh, the, the best thing is actually we were never a P2P in mainland China. Uh, when we were in mainland China, actually we've always been using our technology to serve financial institutions to lend, online lend, on online lending fashion. So I think one of the reasons why uh, we have uh, 
been doing so well over the years and uh, almost completely got un unaffected by the P2P thing in China is because we're never P2P. And that, that actually goes back to uh, a little bit to our banking training of the team because we know that that wasn't a very sustainable model. So that's why we never touched that business, right? But going back to what you were saying, right? Uh, there is, there's a lot of things that we have found had a lot of synergy across business units. If you look at how we built mainland China, it was a lot to do with when we first built our very first business, which is WeLand in Hong Kong. We took the technology, the know-how, and went to mainland China to build a China business. And that evolved into a B2C business and a B2B business as well. And with that, we took the know-how and the experience to Indonesia, to build our Indonesia business. So we've always been very good at uh, uh, porting over technology and business models across different strategic markets that we have been in. I think I think that that is a very important formula, uh, being able to do so at scale and also having a team that is relatively international. What do you think will be the next big port uh, export within your group? Um, where, where do you see the next trend? Mm. I think uh, we're, we're very bullish about digital banking. I think digital banking will be the next big one. Uh, we, we feel that uh, WeLab Bank is uh, WeLab Bank in Hong Kong is just the beginning. We feel that I think there's a lot more things we can do regionally. Uh, what is good about uh, this time around, Hong Kong MA issuing the licenses in 2019 is we have a few year head start from our peers in Southeast Asia, meaning many of them actually just issued licenses or about to issue licenses. And remember, right, no one will build a digital bank until they have a license, right? So they're just about building it. But for us, we have already built it, tested it, and a lot of things have been verified uh, in Hong Kong uh, uh, according to policies issued by Hong Kong MA, which is one of the most respected regulators in Hong Kong. And when we go over and, and try to expand that know-how, port that know-how to other Asian markets, right? Uh, people welcome that because it's, it's good quality, it's good standard, right? So I think uh, we will continue to look at uh, Southeast Asian uh, digital bank expansion as, as a priority. Do you see that, do you see a role more as getting your own license and, and operating directly in these markets? Uh, or do you see it as being a, a vendor, a technology advisor to other digital banks or somewhere in between where maybe you're providing, say, some of the, the payments uh, work or, or something like that? Um, we've always liked being an operator. <laughs> we've always enjoyed operating businesses. So I, I think I think if we have a choice, it really depends on market, by the way, because the different markets are different uh, local, uh, local uh, constraints and, and opportunity, right? Uh, where possible, right? I think we'll go in as an operator either by ourselves or with a joint venture partner. Like for example, Indonesia, when we went there, it was a joint venture. Um, it is still a joint venture, very successful joint venture um, as well. Um, so we, we open-minded on both. Um, and and I, I feel that uh, in Southeast Asia, there are already a lot of very large uh, tech players uh, and, and they're very open-minded to partnerships. Um, and when they've seen what we've built in Hong Kong, right, many of them are very interested to chat with us. And I think, I think that is a, a very, very big opportunity, having these couple of years of head starts. When you talk about partners, there's also the investor base. Uh, your newest investor is, or your newest, I guess, primary strategic one is Allianz X, which is the venture arm of the Allianz uh, group from Germany. Uh, obviously huge in asset management and wealth. Uh, walk us through how that's gone so far. And you know, are you close to, to launching products with these guys? Yeah, I think uh, Allianz, is a, Allianz is, a, is, a, is a fantastic partner. We love working with them. Um, uh, we actually known them for a good couple of years before before this, right? Um, they've been following our growth. 
Uh, and what happened was, uh, as we were building a digital bank, one of the things we wanted to do was an intelligent wealth advisor uh, on the wealth tax part, right? And we, we started talking to them. Uh, we were quite aligned in terms of what we want to do. And they, they, they wanted to, to partner with someone in Asia who has distribution, direct distribution to consumers. Right? Historically, as an asset manager, you distribute your product through, let's say, a bank, to, if you want to distribute retail, right? They want to work with someone who can have direct uh, access to customers so that they can get more uh, understanding and know how they're not one step removed. So we started working with them. And as they learned that we are fundraising, they said, oh, why don't we come in and, and become the lead? And, and we, we, we really welcome that. We, as we talk to them more, we actually discover more things we can work with them in terms of the wealth piece, insurance piece, uh, and different areas, right? Uh, the, the wealth piece we're, we're looking at rolling out very soon uh, together, working with the Allianz uh, 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 technology. Uh, really excited about that. And uh, we really hope that when we roll it out uh, in multiple markets, we can go to different markets together with them as a as a whole whole uh, tax a wealth tax solution. I think I think there's a lot of potential with that. Um, and and of course, um, uh, we're also talking to them about insurance in different markets and how we actually can learn from each other. So there's actually a, a, a very very good uh, uh, partnership um, that people are very good to work with. Yeah. Uh, GBA and uh, the new Wealth Management Connect scheme between uh, Hong Kong, uh, nine cities in, in Guangdong province and Macau. Uh, that's in, in Hong Kong, uh, in, in this industry, a lot of people are very excited about this. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got experience operating fintech and lending businesses on both sides of that, of that domestic border. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've gotten that you can apply to creating a GBA business? What do you think that will look like? Mm, I think uh, I think that is obviously a, a very big opportunities for for uh, banks in Hong Kong, right? Going to the wealth business uh, or the wealth cross border wealth connect with um, uh, local banks in mainland China. Uh, that is this is an area that we're actively studying as well, because as we're launching the wealth business in Hong Kong, obviously the next thing is taking advantage of that. Another thing is how can we also do something the wealth related from our mainland China business that that leverage on the know how that we are building. In the Hong Kong business as well. Obviously, both businesses will offer different sets of products. Meaning, if it's a wealth business in mainland China, working with a partner, you'll be will you'll be offering onshore set of products. If it is a wealth connect, you'll be offering offshore products to mainland Chinese customers. I think that's one opportunity. The other opportunity, of course, is offering uh, China onshore products to our bank customers in Hong Kong because the chances are they probably never had the experience of. Uh, buying their products. So I think this part is, is pretty interesting to us. Uh, and as we have already built, or we are building a lot of these technology and know-how, the partnership alliance, right? A lot of this actually can be readily uh, copied into our uh, building a similar business in mainland China. What do you think will be the, the hardest part of making um, GBA type businesses really work well? Mm. I think uh, if your business going in there uh, without an existing customer base, you'll always be competitive. Um, uh, we're quite lucky because we already have the mainland China business. If I remember correctly, probably uh, we have uh, close to 50 million uh, users in mainland China, close to, uh, I think almost 10 million resides in Greater Bay Area. So that that act immediately as an existing base that we can tap. So that gives us a good head start. We can test things and do a lot of things. So I think, I think uh, accumulating, accumulating this initial base uh, is is important. Uh, you you know, get 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 there fast, right? So I, I think that's that's one. Um, number two is uh, the user experience. What customers are looking for, the kind of financial products, the needs are actually slightly different. 
Now, there are similarities and there are differences. Any similarities are the type of differences, the kind of return that they're used to. Uh, that's the difference. The similarity is if you, if we continue to, if we are still continuing to target this same segment of customers, 20 to 35 year old tech savvy, well-educated young adults, right? The needs are roughly similar. I mean, every young people, they have certain aspiration to save certain amount uh, by a certain age. So I think uh, being able to do goal-based investment, goal-based savings, right? I think those are very, very strategic. And that we felt that is, is also more aligned with what a digital bank wants to provide, which is you wanted to provide solutions rather than sell a product. Right. Banks will continue to buy a fund, right? After that, they stop calling you. The next time they call you is to buy another fund, right? But what you want to do is to help people to achieve an aspiration. Achieving aspiration, it's it's more long term. It's 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 about building something bigger, right? So I think though this is this will be a common theme, as and when we are uh, rolling out wealth products uh, around the region, yeah. which is how we help young people to achieve. Yeah. Right. Does the technology play? Um, uh, is is the tech in this case more of just a supporting role because you've got this stack that's helpful, or does it play a central role? And the reason I'm asking that is because I don't remember which Hong Kong regulator it was, but I was at some event and it was one of the big ones who uh, suggested that they're concerned about Hong Kong banks not being able to compete in GBA businesses because they're they're too slow. Um, so I, I don't know, like, how, how do you see the the prereq, the prerequisites for, for your tech stack if you want to be able to cater to the Chinese consumers that are used to, you know, 24-7 instant uh, and, and all that? I think uh, as we were building uh, tech uh, solutions for both our Hong Kong business and mainland China business, uh, our methodology of thinking uh, is actually the same. Uh, we don't differentiate, right? Because we feel that in any way in this world, young people want instantaneous uh, around the clock services. I don't think uh, I don't think there will be a segment of the market say, okay, I I I, I expect you to only work during office hours. In fact, we look at WeLab Bank in Hong Kong, right? I remember close to 60% of our customers apply and open up a bank account during non-office hours, like like 6 p.m. to like 9 a.m. The, the following morning, right? So this is this is the expectation. This is the time when they have, this is the only time they have time to to, to work on their personal finances, right? So so I think that is it, 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 conceptually that's what has 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 to work, right? That's what I do, and and of course then it comes to like, uh, can you work around the clock, right? So our belief is actually we should build a technology so that people do not have to call us at all. Instead of building technology and having customer service that people have to call us. Not saying that when you call us in the middle of the night, no one will pick up the phone. But what we also believe it is if it's completely self-service, people don't have to call you and it just works, isn't that even better? Right? And that is what we're working towards. I want to ask you a question, not so much as a, a fintech or a bank, but as uh, the founder of a, of a startup. Um, so Allianz is obviously a big uh, institutional strategic partner, but you began with uh, Sequoia, um, the, the private office of Li Ka-shing, um, and then later a few other uh, significant uh, investors came in. What's it been like working with the VCs and how has that relationship with, with those investors changed as the business has matured? Mm. I think uh, uh, at, at different stage, uh, different kind of investors will come in. I think, of course, uh, financial investors, they come at different stages. And almost every round we have financial investors coming in, right? If I look at uh, as the business evolve, um, 
we get more strategic investors uh, rather than uh, just pure financial investors for 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 good reason right um as the company becomes bigger you have bigger reach you have bigger products or you have more products actually people find that you're easier to work with there are more opportunities to work with you right and that attracts strategic investors for example this time around allianz uh, in earlier rounds there are other strategic investors who, 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 who came in and start working with us right um and on, on the ck hutchison side um you work with uh, three in Hong Kong, work with Fortress uh, on, on, the, on the latest Apple partnership. The first uh, uh, chain we rolled out was, was Fortress, right? So as, as you're bigger and you, you, you touch more consumers in their everyday lives, uh, it becomes easier for strategic investors to start noticing you and start working with you. And of course, because uh, over the course of the last five years, you have more uh, uh, large companies who develop their corporate VC arms. So that's, so that's how they, they, they try to, uh, uh, both hatch the return and also um, build relationship and, and know what's all the, all the market is happening, right? Um, so I, that's how I, that's how I feel. I, I think I think the, the the kind of investors will evolve over time. Yeah, and what's the conversations like? Are they the same conversations with all the investors with regards to the future of of WeLab? Uh, it's been reported that you're looking at an IPO either in New York or in Hong Kong. Um, you know, you're you're a unicorn plus now. Uh, you know, is everybody on the same page strategically, or will there have to be some kind of discussions around what you and the investors really want to do with the with the IPO and next steps? Well, thankfully, our investors are very long term and not very pushy, so I think that they're quite comfortable with the pace of the growth. Um, we we've been talking about it for a couple of years, um, uh, and they see how we're growing the bank. Southeast Asia and different markets. Um, we were still considering uh, the, the access to a public market. Uh, this year has been, this year, it, it's a very active public market, uh, as you notice, uh, with a lot of tech companies listing and also just the emergence of SPACs in the, in the, in the West, in the US, right? Um, so there are a lot of conversation, a lot of dialogue right now. Um, there, at the same time, I think for us as a company, there are a couple of big initiatives we want to complete first, or at least roll out first before we start embarking on the the, the public market discussion so that we continue to build a stronger and a stronger story right that includes the the apple thing and also doing something on, on southeast asia right so so i think i think i think it's a conversation that's most likely going to happen uh at least uh the the, the 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 first or second quarter of next year rather than uh, very soon yeah and all things being equal would you have a preference for where you'd like to be going public when that day comes? <laughs> uh, it, it's still early stage. I mean, uh, we have been going back and forth thinking about it. Um, I, I think I think we still need to spend some time to think about it. I think I think that there, there, there are merits in, in different market. Uh, and, and, and at the same time, the market is developing extremely fast, right? Uh, as you can see this year. Uh, so, so, so I think probably it will be a decision that we will make uh, closer to the date rather than now. <laughs> Fair enough. Keep your options open. Um, last question, Simon. Uh, for the virtual bank, for WeLab Bank in Hong Kong, uh, what is, I guess, the the biggest metric you hope to achieve by the end of the year that you can that you can go to the market with, and you know your your proud story? Mm, um, I think uh, there are different things. I wouldn't say uh, the proud story. I think, but I think the most important thing right now, as I'm uh, as I meet with the the folks at the bank, right, uh, is I, I want to see. Um, customer active rate and also profitability for customer. I think this is extremely important. I think virtual banks have, many of the virtual banks have proven their ability to build a bank, uh, launch products and acquire customers.
okay, that is like given bare basic. At least you need to be able to do that, right? And now I think that the next thing is that it goes back to your first. The first question you asked me, right? Is they have to show that they have the ability, the path to profitability, they have the ability to do that, and how they can do that differently, and why people will, will prefer a digital bank, not because you're cheaper. Not because you are you're twenty four by seven, but how can you prove that people can really see the product differentiation, right? So I think that is something that we're working with the team to build.、Um, sorry, first the lending product, and hopefully next with the,、uh, with the with the wealth product. Great, Simon. Thank you very much for joining me today on Digital Box. It's been a real pleasure, and appreciate your sharing、uh, the trajectory for WeLab Bank. Thank you very much. Good to be on your show.